All right, so I want you to turn to John chapter 10. You're absolutely going to love this series, John chapter 10, and we're going to talk about hearing God. Um, while you're turning, I want to begin to introduce this first message to you, and I want you to think about what is the main difference between a believer in Jesus Christ and a non-believer? What's the, the main difference? And let, let me give you the answer. It is that a believer has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Is that right? That would be the, probably the major difference. An unbeliever does not have a relationship with Jesus. A believer in Jesus has a personal relationship with Jesus. Okay, it's hard for me to believe that that personal relationship does not include communication. And yet there are uh, entire persuasions of theological thought that God doesn't speak anymore. And that, to me, is crazy to think that way, that He spoke for 4,000 years, and we have record of Him speaking to person after person after person in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and then all of a sudden, after the first century, uh, He just got laryngitis or he's just bursting up there because he hasn't talked to humans in not over 1,900 years. It's, it's just crazy to think that way. So the difference is that we have a personal relationship with Jesus. So let me take that just a step further. If you are praying about a new job and an unbeliever is praying or thinking about, I should say that way, a new job, is there any difference in the way these two people are going to approach this situation? Of course there is, because the unbeliever gathers facts and tries to make the best decision he can, but the believer gathers facts and asks God what His will is, and God can lead you. And wouldn't you rather make decisions based on God's knowledge <laughs> than on yours? Because God knows if the company interviewing you is going to go out of business in a year. God knows if it's going to be relocated to Fairbanks, Alaska. And nothing against Fairbanks, Alaska, if you're watching from Fairbanks. <clears throat> but God knows. But if you have a, a thought that God doesn't speak anymore, I really don't mean this condescending. I mean it the way I'm saying it. I feel so sorry for you, that you have a personal relationship with someone who never speaks to you. I don't know how personal that is. So God speaks, and we'll cover that in the series, but I want to show you some things about God, and we'll just kind of, we'll just build on the thought every week, all right? It's going to be a seven-week series, by the way. Um, let me make this statement to start the, the series, hearing God is not something you do, it's someone you are. And if you don't understand that, you may not understand the concept of hearing God. So it's not something you do, it's someone you are. So here's the title of the first message, and it's, I granted, granted it's a little different, but the title is, I'm a sheep. I'm a sheep. I, as a matter of fact, I, I just, at all the campuses and all the affiliate churches, 
Just say that out loud. Say, I, don't you, turn to the person beside you and say, I'm a sheep. Now you could turn to the person who said it to you and say, so that's what I smell. Okay. Okay, John chapter 10, Jesus is contrasting himself as the good shepherd with the thief, the robber, who is Satan. All right? So John chapter 10, look at verse 1. We're talking about we're sheep and we can hear God. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, now watch this carefully, and the sheep, watch, hear his voice. Okay, can you just say those three words? Hear his voice. It does not say sense his impressions. And I'm not saying that God doesn't give us impressions. I just simply am literally blown away. And, and when I say that, again, I'm not saying it condescendingly because I used to be of the theological persuasion that believed that God didn't speak anymore. And I'm shocked that I could have ever believed that, that he's just, just has chosen not to speak anymore since he wrote us a letter. And we have his word, but now he doesn't communicate personally to his children. I'm just shocked that I could have ever thought that way. Hear his voice. That's the Bible. His sheep hear his voice. And he calls, so the way you call is your voice, his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know what? His voice. And if you, if you have any doubt that this is talking about Jesus, verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. So Jesus said, we know it, but it's just in case you have a doubt, I'm the good shepherd, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Now look at verse 16, John 10, 16. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Now look at me just for a moment. We talked last week about to the Jew first. He is now speaking about the Gentiles. He's talking to Jewish people, and he says, and you need to know there are other sheep I have that are not of this fold, other sheep. There's not a theologian I've ever met in the world that doesn't know or believe this is talking about Gentiles. So that's most of us. You might be Jewish, but for the rest of us, thank God that he, has another, he had another fold, okay? The Gentiles. Now watch this. Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. Watch. And they will, what? Hear my voice. Okay, I can hear God. That's what he's saying specifically. They will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. He's speaking of Jew and Gentile here, one, one flock. And then verse 27, just to make it really, really clear, John 10, 27. My sheep, say those three words, hear my voice, and, and, and I know them, and they follow me. Okay, let me ask you a very simple question. Is Jesus the shepherd? Okay, are you following him? So then you're the sheep. And what do sheep do? <laughs> they hear his voice. Th this is in red. <laughs> this is Jesus. I don't really care what Dr. Fuzzy Face says. <laughs> I care what the, this book says. 
It's clear, my sheep hear my voice. So let me tell you three things about the ability to hear God. All right, here's number one. It's innate. It's innate. In other words, you're born with it. It's inherent. It's natural. It's built in. It's instinct. It's hardwired. If you want to, for you prep, never mind, it didn't work anyway. All right, but that, that's another, another one you can use. It's, it's natural. You're born. He said, my sheep hear my voice. When you're born again, you're born again a child of God. He's the shepherd. You're his sheep. Sheep have the ability to hear the shepherd. And this is what makes us different. Even though he's comparing us to sheep now, as human beings, we were created in the image of God, and our God is a communicative God. Our God is a speaking God. The whole reason that you have the ability to hear and speak is because you were created in the image of a hearing, speaking God. Why would He create you with the ability to communicate and then not communicate with you? That would be a horrible thing to do to you, to create you with the ability to communicate, and He has the ability to communicate, but He does, doesn't communicate to you. That'd be a horrible thing. And again, it's a, it's a horrendous line of thought. It, it's, it's literally, let me give you the Greek word for it, it's baloney. <laughs> Bologna is how it's pronounced in the Greek. <laughs> This is what separates us from the animals, that God gave us the ability to communicate our deepest feelings, not only to other humans, but to Him. And He communicates to us. And I know some say, well, animals can communicate. Yes, they can on some level. I understand that. But they can't communicate like we can. They can't. You know, I was was watching the Discovery Channel one time. There's a guy sitting in a room all day listening to whales. He had these earphones on. He was listening to recordings of whales. And then they said to this guy, what's he saying? I'm telling you the truth. That's also the way. Here's what the guy said. He's lonely. I thought, no, you're lonely, pal. You need to get out of this room and go talk to some people. <laughs> Just do an experiment. If you have a dog, go home and talk to your dog. But, but talk, say, here's what I want you to say. I want you, and I want you to say it like this. You're so stupid. Yes, you are. You're the stupidest dog I ever saw. Yes. And just watch that dog just wag his tail. And just think you paid him the biggest compliment. And then... I'm just thinking about animals again. Why do dogs bark at night? Has anyone figured that out? All night. All night. Row, 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 row. Row, row. And here's what we do. We open the door. Shut up! What do you expect the dog to do? My bad. (laughs) 
I, I've, I've, been, I've always tried to figure out, what do they say? You know, I'm trapped in the backyard. Help, 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 help. And then the neighbor dog joins in. Help him. Okay, I'm sure they have a level of communication. But they were not created. I'm not trying to put animals down. I know we all love animals, but I'm just telling you, they were not created in the image of God. But you were. And you were created in the image of a speaking God. And he created you with the ability to hear him because he says very clearly, I am the good shepherd and my sheep hear my voice. It's innate. You're born with the ability to hear God. Here's the second thing. It's learned. Now, you might say, well, that's kind of a contrasting thought. You're saying I'm born with it, but you're saying I need to learn how to hear God. Absolutely. And I can give you the greatest example in the world, children. They're born with the ability to communicate, but they need to be taught. Is that right? They need to be taught words. They need to be taught sounds. They need to be taught grammar and language. They need to be taught what to say, and they need to be taught when to say it. Is that right? They learn in their ability to hear God. You know, if we said, we're going to have a class on prayer, you'd say, that's, that's, I need that. And even the disciples said, teach us to pray. But let me remind you that hearing God is the second half of prayer. Because if you can't hear God, why would you pray? Now, one reason is to make our requests and petitions be known to God. But God never intended prayer to be a giving of our to-do list to Him every morning. He intended prayer to be communication between a father and his children. And if you'll just take some time and start to listen, you'll be amazed that he'll speak. But most of us do this. Now, I'm just going to give you an analogy. It's like someone is going to call you on the phone and talking for five minutes or ten minutes and then hanging up before you ever have a chance to say anything. That's the way many Christians pray. God, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. Got to go. And God's thinking, would you like to hear what I have to say about that? I, I, when I say it's learned, uh, I mean, people teach us. People teach us to pray. They teach us how to understand the Bible, how to, I use a big word, exegete the Bible, which simply means to draw out, how to draw out truths from the Bible. Critical exegesis, historical exegesis, revealed exegesis, different ways to understand the Bible. People teach us how to do that. Okay, people can teach us how to hear God. We can learn. Uh, I was um, having lunch with a, a man in our church. I texted him. They said, do you mind if I use your name? Uh, and he said, no, I don't. I think if, if it will help people, it's fine. Uh, his name is Eddie Gossage. So most of you men probably know him. He's the president of Texas Motor Speedway and part owner in eight motor speedways around, the, around America. And uh, so we, he's a member of our church. And so we were having lunch, and he said, Pastor, there's something you could do to help me. And I said, sure. And he said, you talk a lot about, and God said this, and God said this, and God told me. And he said, very seriously, I don't know how to hear God. Now, listen to me. 
Hearing God is not a, uh, a, a is not dependent upon knowledge or or depth or wisdom. It's simply dependent upon being taught, because we all need to learn. Children need to learn. So I told him, I'm going to tell you, and I'll go into more detail on this. But here's what I told him: I said, get alone with God every morning if you can. Uh, turn on a worship CD, pray, let, speak to the Lord, then read in the Word, and then write down. Here's the best way, if you want to start, the best, most practical way I know, write down what you think God is saying to you through what you read that day. Just write down, I think God is saying to me through this verse, and just write it down. A few months later, we had lunch, and he said to me, I have great news for you. I said, what? He said, I'm hearing God. For the first time in my life, I am hearing God on a regular, consistent basis. So it's innate. It's learned. Here's the third thing I want to tell you about the ability to hear God. It's matured. So the ability to hear God is innate. The ability to hear God is learned. And the ability to hear God is matured. Okay, let's think about children again. Do children need to mature in their communication skills. Okay, let me give you some examples just to help remind you. Um, children, before they're taught, will say things that you're not supposed to say. Man, are you fat. How old are you, Grandma? Okay. We don't ask Grandma how old she is. You just have to teach them. Uh, years ago, I debated whether to use this illustration because this, it's a story, but I'm using it as an illustration, and it's true. But I debated whether to tell you this because when I tell you about the setting, you'll understand how long this was ago. So this was a long time ago. It's back when they, would, they had a, a big, they don't do much anymore because they do the best to get you to the table, but a big waiting room at a restaurant, and it was Sunday after church, and listen, that's how long it was. It, they had a cigarette machine in the lobby. Okay, I see I have other people my maturity level here. <laughs> and so there was this kid that was walking around. Everybody was in church clothes. It was Sunday, you know, at church getting out time, and it was full. And this kid was walking around. His parents were sitting on one side of the lobby. On the other side was a cigarette machine, and he was standing there looking at it. And a guy came up, put some money in, and bought a pack of cigarettes. And this kid turns around across this crowded waiting room and says, Daddy, that man just bought cigarettes. That man's going to hell, isn't he, Daddy? This man's going to hell, isn't he? <laughs> well, here's, here's the reason I want to say that. Obviously, cigarettes are not the sin that would send you to hell. They're bad for your health. We understand that, but not believing in Jesus is what would send a person to hell. But here's the point. He was saying what he had heard through his religious system. The reason I'm saying that is not everything you think that you hear is God. <laughs> it might be your religious upbringing, and you might think it's God's voice. But if you don't have a book, chapter, and verse that backs up that idea or principle that you, think you're, that you, that you believe you heard from God, then you didn't hear from God. So let me tell you just a few, as we're talking about maturity, let me tell you a few um, philosophies of hearing God that are immature, okay? One is a message a minute. Now, this is, I'm using Dallas Willard's 
phrase here. Dallas Wilder was a great theologian, went to be with the Lord in 2013, wrote a book called Hearing God, and it's, it's a great book. Uh, but he talked about this, a message a minute. These are the people that uh, tell you, uh, you know, they've heard, they hear God like 300 times a day, you know. You be in the restaurant, they'll say, oh, God just told me not to put salt on my food. And you feel like saying, you could have read the article in Reader's Digest last month and, you know, too. Okay. Okay. And let me ask you this. Do you want God to have to tell you everything to do? Now, now, does God want to communicate with us on a regular basis? Yes. But for fellowship, not for instruction alone. I mean, all right, let me say it this way. What parent here wants to have to tell your children everything to do, even when they're in their 40s. Wouldn't you like them to grow up and learn how to make wise decisions? Certainly. Okay, I'm simply saying that God does speak. God can speak all day long to you, but the person that, that, that gets a word from God every minute, that's, that's probably not the best philosophy to have, okay? So one's a message a minute. Here's the second a way that uh, philosophy is that, that I don't, I believe needs to be matured is the point and hope philosophy. These are the people that I open my Bible, close my eyes, point it, and I hope I hear God, right? I hope I'm not in the begats. That's what I hope. Okay. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that you can't open your Bible and it falls to a place that God speaks to you. But that's, obviously, He can, and He can easily do that out of, you know, 1,187 chapters, 31,103 verses, okay? God can do that. That's not hard for God. But I'm just saying I wouldn't do that on every decision, okay? I actually have a friend of mine who was, this is true, he's a member of this church, in business, and his business was struggling. Okay, so that you got you to catch that because it might take you a moment to catch what happened to him. His business was struggling. He'd heard someone say that, so he closed his eyes, opened his Bible, put his finger down, and this is what he read, chapter 13. <laughs> now, that's not the word you want from God when you're asking God about the future of your business, Okay. Uh, by the way, one of the things that uh, Dallas Willard said in his book was that he heard this uh, minister one time say that God had shown him how everyone can have a life verse, and it's by taking the year you were born and using that as the chapter and the verse. Okay, the only problem with that is most of us were born 19-something, and uh, the 19th chapter of Joshua has the most verses in it, and it has 51. 1951, Joshua. So, so if you were born after 1951, uh, no life verse for you. <laughs> and, but Dallas Willer heard this guy say it, so he thought, well, I'll just, you know, I was born in 1935, so I'll just see if God has a life verse. So he went to the first book of the Bible, Genesis 1935. This is what it says. So they got drunk and slept with him. That was his life <laughs> okay, so, okay, so I don't believe in that philosophy. I think you ought to mature from the point and hope philosophy. Here's the last one, the que sera, sera philosophy. Que sera, sera, they really don't know whether the guy took it from Spanish or Italian, 
Uh, it actually, it's close to each language, but doesn't really work in either language. But the American who wrote it thought it did. So, but what it means is whatever will be, will be. You know, Doris Day singing. How many of you remember Doris Day singing? Okay, we're going to have to get some younger people in the church. Uh, okay. So, I do too. I remember. Okay. But it, it's whatever will be, will be. Okay. That's not a good philosophy about hearing God. What it may, basically means is whatever I choose, that's just God's will. But it's not God's will. Your choice is not always God's desire for your life. So, we need to mature to the place where we can hear God's voice and make the right decision. So I want to give you a, an example of what just happened just a couple months ago, and I'm, 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 I haven't told you this. I've been waiting. I just thought about it with this series, and I thought, wow, what a great example of God speaking and why God speaks. Uh, so uh, this is a, let me show you, this is a, the last Christmas card that we sent, a picture of my family. Um, and so you can see there on your right is my oldest son, Josh, his wife, Hannah, Grady, and Willow, Debbie and I in the middle there, and then uh, on, my, on your left, Ethan, my son-in-law, and Elaine and their two daughters. Um, and you can kind of tell Ethan is my son-in-law. <laughs> well, I mean, it's obvious he's taller than the rest of the family. And uh, okay, so, and then, and then James and Bridget, uh, my son and daughter-in-law, and their two boys. Okay, so, by the way, Ethan and Elaine, they have two girls, they're pregnant with their third, and it's a boy. So, they're pregnant. And, but my son, Aunt James, on the left, they're on the seat on the bench, and his wife, and his wife sings on the worship team at Southlake, son Bridget, they have two boys. Uh, but they've also had two miscarriages, and they've had a difficult time. So they've been praying whether to have another child or not, because she's had a difficult time during, during uh, pregnancy. And so we had our fast, our 21-day fast, if you remember, January 10th through the 31st. And she was praying that if they were supposed to have another child, that God, someone close to them would give them a word during the 21-day fast. And on January 31st, I was standing on the front row, about to preach. It was during worship. I was just worshiping God. I looked up. Bridget was standing like right here, almost in front of me, leading worship. And the Lord said to me, Bridget's pregnant on the last day of the 21-day fast, and she'd been praying. So that night, we were having a family meal. just happened. And I said, I have an announcement to make. <laughs> well, I did. <laughs> And so they were like, oh, okay, what's, what's your announcement? And I said, Bridget's pregnant. And everyone kind of laughed, you know, and then James and Bridget, they, they looked at me like, are you serious? I said, yes, I'm serious, Bridget's pregnant. I could see the look on Bridget's face as she's processing because she'd prayed this and she had not told James that she had prayed this. She just prayed someone close to them would give them a word. So she's processing. And so then James said, well, it's, it's, she's not pregnant. I didn't say that. She's not pregnant. It's impossible. She's not pregnant. And I said, well, you can say whatever you want. I'm telling you, the Lord said she's pregnant. <laughs> so because I was so strong, and they kept coming back to me, even before they left, they came over and said, now, are you serious about, I said, I'm serious. God said it. So they went to the doctor. And the doctor said, well, you're not pregnant. As a matter of fact, your progesterone levels are too low for you to even get pregnant. You could, it would be impossible for you to get pregnant right now. 
And that's why she miscarried twice is because her progesterone, a hormone that your body should produce, was not being produced at the level it should be. And so that's why she miscarried twice. And so in the pregnancy with her, with her other son there, she took it so that, you know, it, it would help her not to miscarry. So they, he said, well, it's impossible, actually. You couldn't get pregnant. And um, so, uh, but if you're even thinking about it, you, you should start taking progesterone. And so they said, because I had that word and I was so strong about it, they said, we, we feel like we ought to just start taking it then. So she started taking the medicine. Well, she went back a few weeks later to check her level, and the doctor checked her level, and then he said, um, uh, you're pregnant. <laughs> and they said, we thought you said your, our level was uh, too low to get pregnant. He said, well, I don't know how it happened, but you're pregnant. And uh, so they said, well, uh, you know, you, you, you count so many days, and also, how, how long am I pregnant? And he said, four weeks and six days. And they went back, and July, January 31st, when I gave him the word, was four weeks and five days. She'd been pregnant one day. Now, I'm not saying that so that we get excited about an accurate prophetic word. I'm saying that because I believe God gave the word to save the baby's life so that she would start taking the medicine that she needed to be able to carry the… You see what I'm saying? Here's the bottom line. I'm a sheep. It, by the way, it didn't say my shepherds hear my voice. I mean, we hope they do. <laughs> but it says my sheep. God wants to speak to you. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to just take a moment. You know, we do this every week, and I wasn't even thinking about, think about the, the message, tune, tune in, hear God. But every week, I, I say to you, ask the Holy Spirit what He is saying to you through this message. So you may have been hearing God for a long time, but sometimes you think, well, I'm just getting an impression. And it might be as an impression, but the Lord's speaking to you. So what's the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? We want to pray for you. If you're going through a, a difficulty, and we all go through difficulties. I shared with you about my, my son and his daughter-in-law going through two tragedies in their life. So if you're going through a difficulty in any area of your life and you need prayer, we want to pray for you. No matter which campus you're attending, if you need prayer for any area of your life, we're going to have one more worship song. During that worship song, we're going to have leaders at the front of every campus and every overflow room. If you need prayer for any area of your life, why would you not come for prayer? I just felt that so strongly. Some of you might feel like, well, it's for others or this, or, or you might have that reason or this reason. But if you need prayer for any area of your life, as soon as we stand up at every campus, I'm asking you just to stand up and step out and come and let us pray for you, all right? Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person at every campus that needs prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.